You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And I have got an avid outdoorsman from America's Top Hat on today. Yeah, that's right, Canada. And I've had some buddies in the past couple of years who have gone up and hunted in Canada. And the stories they come back with are insane. So I'm really excited about this episode. Now, I know there's a saying that's like everything's bigger in Texas. In all reality, that saying should be, this is going to ruffle some feathers, by the way. The, the saying should be, everything's bigger in Canada. Because when you look at the size of the animals that they are pulling out of Canada every year, whether it's whitetail, moose, elk, bear, you name it, it's, it's gnarly. So I'm really excited to hop into this episode with Clay, and we're going to talk all about what he's been up to, what he pursues, and how he goes about it. So let's jump in right now. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Clay Blanchard from Canada. Ontario specifically, right? Yes, sir. Sweet man. Well, uh, thanks for thanks for hopping on the call. We're going to talk all about Canadian hunting because that is a place I used to. We used to go up fishing just north of Minnesota, um, but I've never hunted in Canada. And I see people that I mean, like obviously everyone follows um, Jim Shockey and uh, even. Uh, Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. Have you watched that series yet on Netflix? I didn't even know that was on Netflix, man. And I don't, I didn't know if it's on Canadian Netflix because I know some shows differ. Oh, okay. But yeah, no, I've never, I know Jim Shockey though. Yeah. So there's a, there's another guy, uh, Greg McHale. I think it's called Wild Yukon. It is a wild, I mean, it's an insane show. This guy doesn't use motorized transportation to get on any of his hunts. So he'll like, he'll take his bike and he'll bike on the road for 50. I mean, everything's in kilometers for you guys, but he'll, he'll bike for like 50 kilometers. Then he'll, he'll be pulling his kayak behind his bike and then he'll get in the river and paddle upstream for a hundred kilometers and then start his hunt. 
and I watched the whole first season. I was like, this guy's insane. But that's that's about the extent of information or experience I've got with Canadian hunting. And so I'm excited to pick your brain and hear what it's like up there because it just seems like everything grows bigger up there too. I mean, is that pretty accurate? I mean, yeah, I would say so. But, I, you know, I don't want anyone listening to get misinterpreted about that because I would say it's just like any – regular hunting that anyone's used to we're not you know i'm not doing that i'm not you know walking in the woods miles upon miles and camping out and you know horseback or bike or whatever that may be you know i'm driving my truck into a field and then walking about 100 yards into the bush and sitting in a stand you know yeah it's not like the stuff that you see and i i mean man i'm fascinated by that i like honestly like when you know watching meat eater with steven ranella on uh on netflix it's just yeah, some of the stuff that he does is crazy, but it's also a lot of it's really relatable too. Yeah, some aspects of hunting. So, yeah, no, I mean it's you know where I'm hunting, it's pretty normal. But yeah, there's uh, you know, there's some places here in Canada and even here in Ontario where you know you're going deep, deep in the bush and uh, and you never know what you're gonna what you're gonna expect. So, yeah, I mean, I think for for a lot of us down here in the lower forty eight, we think of Canada as just this rugged wild place and it's not until like you get up there you realize it's it's very similar to some of the northern states here you know there's parts that are very close to montana some like wisconsin some like the dakotas i mean it's not all that different even though you guys are an entire nation north of us um but i feel like the hunting opportunities or maybe the styles, because there's traditions in each state. I feel like here you can go to a different state and and learn about the hunting traditions that they have. And I'm kind of curious about that. Like, what what did that look like for you as you grew up, uh, as you got into hunting? You know, is it does it vary? <clears throat> excuse me, does it vary that much from what we've got going down here, or is it pretty similar? Like. You learn with a shotgun or a rifle, you go out, you sit in your tree stand for, you know, the gun season, and then maybe you start picking up other stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it would differ at all, really. I don't, well, I don't know about other, you know, in Western provinces or Eastern provinces, whatever, but uh, up here, you know, everyone just kind of gets brought into it, gets introduced to it at a very young age, I would say. Me personally, yeah. uh, my dad, he was a part of a, of a hunt gang just out of town and they had a hunt camp and I, I remember like me being you know three four years old go out there and was introduced to you know deer hanging up on a on a post and so and then you know as I got into elementary school uh I I used to go out with my dad um just behind our house there my mom would allow us to uh for me to take off one day uh during gun season um one day off from school so I'd go out with him and uh and then, yeah, as I got into, you know, well, even then, you know, I would always play around with like a BB gun and, and all that. And my dad would let me shoot the 22 and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, but then as I got into, you know, middle school, high school area, it, you know, that's when I really kind of took it serious. You know, you go and get your license. And uh, then I joined um, a buddy of mine. He has a farm uh, in town. So hunted, uh, hunted with him all of high school um and really learned a lot then um and then uh yeah ever since i've been in college um i've just kind of 
done my own thing with the properties around my house and uh when I come home from school and and yeah just you know going out with my dad or my brother and yeah man so I mean it's just kind of like around here it's just kind of like a family tradition really like you know you pick up from what your dad or your grandpa did and hunt with them and hunt with friends everyone does it around here you know what I mean so yeah I would say it's pretty that's kind of the norm yeah no that's cool I mean it's yeah it's very similar and I feel like a lot of places you might get into it in the same way and then some places the the style of hunt changes you know I talk to guys who walk the north woods of Maine and they'll just get on fresh deer tracks and walk on those deer tracks until they try to catch up to the deer and shoot it. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty wild. And then you talk to people down in Florida where they're swamp hunting. And so it sounds like most places you get into hunting the same way. It's a tradition. It's a community tradition or a family tradition that you, you kind of grow up in. And then from there, uh, things might change a little bit. What, what are like the main things that you hunt or do you just kind of go with anything that's open uh, or has a season? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've been, I've been trying to learn new things. Um, my, I, I've typically just been doing the whole deer and Turkey thing. Um, I just recently, the past couple of years started doing the waterfowl. Uh, and uh, you know, we have a, a 16 foot aluminum John boat. So uh, we take that out on the lake that I live on and, uh, and you know do some duck and uh um my dad is actually a pretty avid moose hunter um so i mean that's uh, a big change from down here like moose (laughs) (laughs) everywhere down here you're you're like the luckiest hunter in the world to draw a moose tag Mm -hmm. and i and and you know what man i I would say that doesn't really differ much up here because you have to you know you have to draw a bull tag right and uh that well that's what you want you even have to draw a cow tag, right? Okay. So there's been, uh, in most recent years, my dad's gang hasn't been as lucky as they have been before. Um, but uh, yeah, so they travel up about, I think, 14 hours north from where I am. So this is like, you know, they're way north in Ontario. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was going to say before. Like, we're pretty where I am, we're pretty south. Like we're by the St. Lawrence river. And I think if my geography is kind of correct, I think we're actually more south than like the Dakotas and Montana, maybe even Wisconsin too. Um, but yeah, so my dad travels up like 14 hours up North from here, which is, you know, pretty North. And, uh, that's where he goes to hunt moose. Um, yeah. So how many, I mean, how many, tags has he drawn or how often can can you draw a moose tag up there like i would say that a cow tag is more common than a bull tag um but yeah i think the last time that they drew a bull tag was like it had to have been a few years ago him he drew a bull tag in 20 i think it was 2013 and he actually shot a massive bull um and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, but other guys in this gang has, have drawn since then, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it's just way more uncommon, right. Than, than a cow tag. And then even a cow tag is lucky too. Right. And then if you're, if you're, uh, if you're left without a cow and a bull tag, then you're stuck with a calf tag. Right. So that's kind of how it works up here. 
Oh, so they've got a spe- specific tag for calves. It's not even like you have an antlered bull or you have uh, an antler list. They they give tags for young moose also. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like gear where you get, you know, an antlered or an antler list tag. Yeah, so you like once you apply, once you put yourself in the draw, in the moose draw, then um, you'll automatically get a calf tag. But then one member out of the group will get either a cow or a bull tag if they draw. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that'd be yeah. sweet just to have a group like that to where you're getting to go out and hunt them, whether you have the tag or somebody in your party has the tag. Like you get to go out and hunt moose and that's a big feat. I mean, that's once in a lifetime for a lot of people. Um, and so that's definitely, yeah. definitely unique. Yeah. It's wicked, man. I think, um, I haven't been able to go yet, uh, just because of me being in college, but you know, my dad wants me to go, um, this year if I'm able to. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Like that's just, it's just totally different, man. Like that, like that, when you ask, like, is it like all like when, you know, Americans think of Canadians, like it's like all rugged up here and and all that kind of stuff. But like that is rugged like that yeah. up north like that, like that's, you know, down here, it's kind of similar. But yeah, up there is like what you see on like TV and stuff. Yeah, I feel like moose hunting, no matter where you are in in the US or in Canada or in Alaska, like moose hunting is just rugged. Those they're big animals. They live in very remote places, especially the ones that grow to be huge. Um, not to mention, like, what else are you going to shoot that you're going to get that much meat off of that one quarter is going to be a couple hundred pounds? And you know, your pack out might be forever, or you're you're having to hike through the swamp. That's I I can't wait. I hope I get to go on another moose hunt at some point in my life, and I plan on it, but you know, it's time, it's money, it's luck of the draw, I guess. It is, man. There, there's a lot of things that got to go, got to go into it. And, you know, like even besides here, like I, I wouldn't even say it's more rugged or interesting than other provinces. Cause you see like some guys who like fly into very remote areas and horseback or, or do all that kind of stuff, like actually camp, do that whole thing up in the Yukon or up in, uh, on Northwest territories or Northern BC, something like that. Right. So, uh, no, up here, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You just, you're going, you know, very remote, but you're also by the road too. So I think my, my dad's gang actually, uh, they partied up with, with, um, another group. And so they, they walked, they both walked away with two cows this year and they shot them. Yeah. So they obviously, how it worked was they, they um, divvied up the, the meat with each group. Um, but they actually shot that pretty close to the road. So they, it was kind of lucky for them. Like they just took the four into the bush, however many yards and, and uh, you know, butchered them up and, uh, and yeah, so it was, it was pretty easy that way. But I thought, I remember um, my dad telling me like when he shot his bull back, 10 years ago it it was a whole different story like it was he was deep into the bush so yeah i mean that's tough right when it comes to something that's you gotta expect yeah that's 
it's wild, man. It's, it's fun, but it's definitely different for people who are used to hunting small game or birds or whitetail. Um, so what, what kind of hunting do you primarily do? I mean, I'm assuming a lot of whitetail hunting in, in Southern Ontario. Do you guys have mule deer or are those in the Western provinces? Those are in the Western provinces. Yeah. I think they can be found in, I don't even think they can be found in Manitoba. Um, which is the province next to us. They they're in like Saskatchewan and, and Alberta. I think there's okay. but all those provinces also have white-tailed deer. Like I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the mule deer kind of stick down to the southern parts of those provinces. And then the white tails are are more northern. But yeah, here in Ontario there's no mule deer. We're just we're white tail, you know, white tail and and turkey and bear and and moose and and uh yeah, all those sort of things. So I, I just, yeah, I kind of, I'm an avid deer hunter, um, whitetail deer hunter and, uh, and then, you know, turkey hunter as well. And like I said, I, I've been trying to get into the waterfowl, um, a bit with some, uh, with some friends, as I, as I said before, I have the, I have the John boats. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of new. Um, other than that, man, yeah, just, just avidly with the turkey and the whitetail. Yeah. All right. For, for whitetail, are you hunting public or private land mostly? Yeah, I'm kind of fortunate, man. Like, um, I, I hunt private land. So, uh, yeah, I got, uh, like we have a hundred acres next to us, like just right next to the house there. My, uh, my cousin caretakes that land and, uh, and then I got another 60 acre property down the road and then another 200 acre property across the road. So I've been, yeah, I've been pretty fortunate just to kind of hunt around my house and uh and do that with, you know, just my dad and and uh and my brother and so yeah, we've been pretty good that way. Um like I said um back in high school like I hunted with a gang and um that was on all farmland. And it was just like it was just such a different aspect of hunting, man. Like like you said, it, I think it varies from property to property. Like people do each gang, each person does everything so differently. And so when I was in high school hunting with the the gang on the farm, they were they were like dog and bushes themselves. You know, they didn't have dogs. So we were doing that. So, you know, us being the the young lads, we'd uh we'd be stuck walking through the bushes <laughs> and uh, you know, trying to cause chaos, trying to push the deer out to the to the older guys out in the fields, right? And uh so that was kind of that that was different hunting. Um, but then being here, um, over the last five years that I've been in school, like it's just been still hunting, you know, I just get to go up into a stand and I have my trail cameras out. I know where the deer are. I know when they're going to be there. And it's just nice. Like when I have a target buck, I can just personally go out and hunt him and not have to worry about anyone else. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's just different. I'm, I'm very fortunate that way. There, there are groups around here who do hunt public land. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there's, you know, there's a lot of that around here too, but it's just, I try to stay off of that. I mean, I let the gangs who already kind of have taken that, you know, we allow them to, to continue the hunt there and all that kind of stuff. We don't intrude on them. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of how it works. Nice. What, uh, what does your sand stand setup look like? Are you, are you doing blind hang on stand, uh, a climber saddle? And then also, are you hunting hardwoods or field edge? Uh, where do you have it set up? 
Yeah. So the property, the property next to my house is mainly field edge. Um, we, I think there's like a total of five fields back there and kind of all divided by tree lines. Um, and, uh, and backed up on some bush. So that's, that's kind of cool. We have a box stand on there. Um, so it's, you know, nice and cozy. Nice. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then a few climbers around here and there. Um, honestly, man, like I, I honestly don't mind sitting on the ground though, for some, for, uh, some of the hunting that I do on, on the 200 acre property that I have, there's no stands in there. And I've, I've yet to put one in. Um, so I mainly just kind of walk around and then just kind of sit on a stump kind of thing. That's all okay. hardwoods in there. So honestly, man, like, uh, like I would love to try out saddle hunting because like in a property like that, like where it's all hardwoods, it would be so nice rather than having to sit on the ground. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, not yeah, to be up and to be comfortable, and even I, I've been talking to different people. I, I feel like saddle hunting. People think like, oh, I got to climb way up in the tree. Honestly, you can treat saddle hunting like a, a chair that you wear with wear on you. You know, so like maybe yeah. you don't want to sit on a stump, and you just want to be able to sit down, bring it with, and tie it. You know, put your put your lineman's rope at eye height and then just sit back and your feet will still be on the ground, but at least you've got a chair while you're out there uh, and a pretty mobile chair. You know, you're going to be able to get up, move around, still move to a different spot if you want to. And so that's, that's one way to do it. If you don't feel like climbing up in a tree yet and you just want to get used to it, it's, there's a lot of uses for them. Yeah. Yeah. I know for sure, man. And like, like I said, like in a property like that, uh, it would be so useful. I just have never that that's kind of a new property that I've got. So I haven't really, you know, got around to that. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the property next to our house is just, you know, there's a box stand up there. So climb up there and, and, uh, same with the, the other 60 acre property that I have, there's box stand on there as well. So yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty well, lit. like it's just, it's a lot of still hunting. It's not a lot of moving around. Yeah. Um, the fields that you're hunting the edge of, or I guess the layout of these properties, are you, are you able to do any like habitat improvement, any food plots, anything like that? Or are you just finding the natural funnels and the natural food sources and, and playing that game? Yeah. So my, so my cousin who caretakes the land next to us, he, he used to do, um, he used to do some, uh, uh, food plots on there and he hasn't really much anymore. Cause he's, he's hunting on, with a gang on another property. So he lets us gun hunting there. Um, but yeah, just kind of, you know, just hunting farmer's fields, basically, man, like they're all rented out. So, um, every other year, you know, there's corn and soybean planted in all the fields around here. So I think that's what a lot of, a lot of hunters rely on around here is their farm fields. Yeah. Right. I don't think I, like, honestly, I don't think a lot of, um, a lot of people plant food plots around here. And it's just so like, there's a lot that goes into it, man. Like you have to have a, you have to have a tractor and a bush hog and a seed it all and maintain it all. It's just, and even if you don't have, you know, those cleared flatlands, then you're, you're kind of stuck with having to clear all that bush by yourself or you don't even have the chance to do it anyway. So yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's just kind of time and money the way I look at it is. And uh, maybe one day once I own some, 
property to myself, you know, if I have the opportunity to, then I, then I would absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, cause I, I mean, I've, there's a few people do do it around here and I've seen their deer on their properties and, and, you know, they'll get big. So it definitely, it definitely helps, but no, a lot of our deer around here, man, are corn fed. Yeah. All right, guys, if you've been listening to the podcast, I'm sure you've heard me talk about the helicopter hog hunt that I did down in Texas. Now I went down there with rogue Texan outfitters and Landon and Brandon, the owners put us on the animals. We killed 150 pigs and 19 coyotes just from the air. On top of that, we went out thermal hunting at night and got up close and personal to more hogs. I didn't have to worry about bringing guns or ammunition because all of that was provided for me. And it is to this day, the most action packed day of hunting I've ever had. I stand by what I've said in the past, and that's that helicopter hog hunting is the funnest thing that you can do with pants on. In addition, they offer sandhill crane hunts and predator calling. So if you're looking for the most exciting hunt of your life and something that you're going to want to come back and do year after year, go check out roguetexan.com and book your hunt today. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely beneficial if you can get extra vitamins and nutrients to the deer. Um, you give them you give them a food source for once the crops are down. But you can't really beat corn and beans. I mean, that's that's what everybody plants around here. And I, I talked to the guy who leases. So I hunt this property. I've got access to it. I'm fortunate to to where I don't have to pay for it. But there is a guy who leases the property for crops and cattle, and he just does soybeans, and then a bunch of it he keeps his pasture to run cows on. And I I talked to him one day. I was like, hey, man, what would it cost if you just left a strip like along the, along the um, woods and let me plant a food plot there? And he's like, why would you want to do that? I plant a 40-acre food plot for you every year. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he got a point, but I think yeah. it it's beneficial during that season. Once the crops are down, it just doesn't seem like the deer want to hang out as much anymore. And so if I could give them a food source that will carry them into like the deep winter months, that would be a lot more beneficial than only having an early false, <clears throat> an early fall food source in soybeans. Yeah, like pretty well what I've been doing, man. I've been spending a lot of money on like just bagged corn, you know, yeah. like uh, this year, this year uh, back in the fields, they were, they were planting beans and the deer, the deer didn't really seem to be hanging out there as much. Um, they were mainly attacking, you know, the, the corn pile that I put out for them. Right. And uh, a lot of the bagged corn by around here is, uh, is all molasses covered too. So they like that and uh yeah. extra um, sweet it's like candy yeah exactly yeah so um yeah i do that for them and i and i and i like to do that like right before uh bow season opens which is start of october and i do it pretty well like right up until christmas you know what i mean like just to keep them around and and you know especially when we get the deep snow it uh it helps them but uh yeah no like i mean yeah, we other than that, we just rely on our farmers' fields. I mean, it's a great it's a great resource for sure to have somebody else kind of foot the bill for a giant food plot. Um, what it, I mean, with you being that far south, when when is your rut for whitetail? 
Yeah, it, it, I mean, it It really depends. And honestly, man, I think it depends on property to property. Honestly, I found that out this year. It It's typically at the start of November. Um, okay. So, yeah, I don't really do – well, I haven't been doing a lot of bow hunting because I've been in college. But, um, but yeah, like right when uh, gun season opens, which is the – it's the first couple weeks in November, that is usually when you see – um when you see the rut up here this year actually so in 20 in 2021 uh season i shot a nice buck on the second day of uh gun season and he was full rut this year however uh it was the second week of gun season where the rut kicked off on our property anyways like i I had talked to other people man they were like what are you talking about like the ruts full swing yeah and like not on our property it's not man i haven't seen any bucks at all the bucks that would come in you know at at night time they know they'd still have their thin necks you know what i mean it just it didn't seem seem like there was much activity especially even on those cold mornings you know that usually you would expect that it was mainly that second week man so um yeah i don't know about you guys but that's we have two uh weeks of gun season here in in ontario so that's pretty well what we work with and that's when you really can expect the rut yeah i feel like almost everywhere i've deer hunted uh white-tailed deer hunted the rut is like the beginning of november but like you said seeing it different places or different times different places this year was wild i saw i saw intense rutting activity about a month and a half after what the rut normally is and I didn't really see anything during November. I mean, like November 5th through probably 25th, it just didn't seem like my trail cameras were picking much up. I wasn't seeing a whole lot in person. I was seeing quite a few deer dead on the side of the road, which is usually indicative of the rut happening. You know, they get stupid. They're running, not paying attention. Um, but honestly, there was some there was some pretty crazy – um, pictures and videos that I got and encounters that I had with deer or even reports of my buddies like, dude, the deer are running hard late December, even into January, because our season ends January 15th. And I got out of the stand, got back home, and I got a notification on my trail camera January 15th. And it had a buck, a big mature buck, the biggest one I had seen all season. And I had never seen him in person. Um, and he was in there dog and does on January 15th. And I'm wow. like, dude, this is late. I've never seen Man, that activity. Insane. So I don't know if it was just a weird thing this year, but I heard a lot of people talk about it. Like, man, it just seems like the rut. Yeah, we either had a really strong second rut or, you know, the first rut didn't kick off when it was supposed to. Man, that that's crazy. I've never heard that before. I, I had heard of uh of some places having that late of a season. Ours ends on December thirty uh, first, um, for bow. And the thing is, man, is like as soon as December comes though, and the snow hits, the deer around here like disappear for me. I don't know where they go. It's been like that every year. They used to herd up actually like right behind our house. We have like a ridge behind our house, and we could see them. Um. But yeah, for the trail cameras, man, like I take mine down like mid December pretty well. Okay. Yeah. Like I, because I don't know, like even if I don't fill a tag, well, if I don't fill a tag, then I'll obviously take mine down 
you know, right after um, uh, deer season ends. But yeah, man, like in December, I don't expect any deer to be on that camera, let alone rutting, man. Like, I mean, yeah, that's crazy, dude. Like, I think I, I've heard of the rut lasting up until like the last week of November, but never that late, dude. Like, that's nuts. Yeah, it was it was insane because <clears throat> I was like, okay, maybe I'm crazy, but we, me and a couple buddies, we bought the uh, um, Tacticam Reveal Two, I think Reveal X Two, maybe I don't know. Um, basically, a cell camera, and we can link or share all of our accounts with each other, so I can be monitoring their cameras, they can be monitoring my cameras, and my buddy's place, man. I was like, dude the rut is still kicking off. I mean, I could go back and look at pictures of bucks chasing does all through December on his property. I mean, middle of the day, like 10 a.m., 2 p.m., they're out there, and I'm like, dude, you need to be up there hunting, man. I don't know what you're doing. You need to get up there. Like, there's bucks every single day in front of your camera. And then um, I, I found that a bunch of my cameras, I think because of the limited cell service that I've got, they're not sending me all of the pictures they're taking. I'm getting like one out of every 10 pictures that they take. And so then when I went back and I pulled the cards and actually like plugged them in to get the HD video and images, it was like the same exact thing. I was having bucks and does running all over the place, bucks chasing does way late into December. And then the kicker was that final day of season. Like I said, I got home, you know, 30 minutes to an hour and a half. I don't know what time I got back, but sometime in that range after the final day of season ended, I get the biggest buck I've had on trail camera with a bunch of does. And I'm like, what Man. the heck? I need to, I need to do some studying and figure out if, if this is just a weird thing that happened here in central Missouri, central and South Missouri, or if that was kind of the thing that people saw all over the place. Yeah, well, honestly, man, like, I guess the, I think it would be something to do with the very mature deer. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, up here in Ontario, I, I think you, a lot more people will see those mature deer that hide all of November start coming out in the daytime in, you know, late December. I've definitely seen a lot more bigger bucks be shot in late December. Um, yeah, because they all just start coming out and, that might even start chasing does then yeah i don't know but yeah that's wild man like i mean I, i've definitely never had that this year actually th this year was really kind of ticked me off because all my i had the most target deer on my camera that i've ever had but they were all nocturnal Dang. and i was asking everyone man like for advice i was like like what do i do man and obviously you know you get the well, you just got to move to where they are in the daylight. And it's kind of hard when you're dealing with like property lines and all that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, we, my brother actually was able to, uh, was able to get one. He shot a, a two and a half year old this year and that, that, you know, he was coming in like the same time pretty well every day kind of thing. Um, and so he was lucky to be in the stand when he, when he came out, but as for the bigger, more mature deer, they were, they just did not, um, come out in the daylight on our property now with that being said just down the road from us one of my target deer was actually shot um by someone that i know out in the middle of a field at 3 p.m in the afternoon oh my gosh i, I messaged him man and i was 
I, I said, you know what, congratulations. Um, I just want to share some trail cameras, uh, pictures with you. And, uh, and he's like, wow, man, like, thanks for sharing those. Like, I'm sorry for taking your target deer. I'm like, no man, that's hunting. But I was like, I can't believe that you just seen him out in the middle of the field at three in the afternoon when I, when only I seen him throughout the night. So I guess he was just, and, and that he was traveling quite a distance too. So it yeah. just goes to show that like, that was, that's like, like four kilometers down the road. So Dang. yeah, they do, they do a, a bit of traveling. And, and then as for uh, one of my other target bucks, man, same thing, like just never once seen them throughout the daytime, just always at night. It's brutal. So I just, but you can't get around that kind of stuff. You know, you just gotta, you know, wait and see, I guess. Yeah. Have they, have any of them popped up during the day? Like, did they, did they have like those random days where all of a sudden they'd show up and then you wouldn't see them again during the day or did they just stay nocturnal the entire season? They pretty well just stayed nocturnal the entire season. And other than that one, two and a half year old buck that my brother got, um, yeah, they, like we never had seen them in the day, uh, just always at night. And I put, I moved around trail cameras. I tried to figure out, their pattern and i just i could not for the life of me they, they it was almost like they were just working around me pretty well right and yeah. but then like like i said with other years man um you know it's just kind of when you least expect it really like i've i've been out on a cold morning you get really excited and there pops one up that you've never had on camera at chasing does right and uh and so yeah i mean that's just kind of how it works i guess but then other guys are like oh no like yeah, my deer are out at 10 in the morning or whatever, you know, and I get to sleep in and I get to go shoot my deer. He comes in at 10 a.m. every day and I'm like, wow, man, like, yeah, I don't know. It was just, I just was unlucky this year, I guess. Yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, I hear about those people that have that where like the deer are out there all day, every day. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful. Obviously, it's not the rut right now. Obviously, they have no hunting pressure at all. But on that 25 acres that we just got, I've had deer. There was one day there were deer in there at eight o'clock, 10 o'clock, two o'clock, four o'clock and six o'clock. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> like <laughs> I can just pick some random one hour time frame and get out there and shoot a deer. Um, but it, it is really unique. I, in fact, I saw the other day, my wife and I, we were driving out to the property and I had to hit the brakes because these deer had just jumped the fence and it was I want to say it was 1 p.m. And these deer jumped wow. the fence and they were going to cross the road. And then they turned around, jumped back over the fence and they booked it. I mean, full speed, three deer. All I could see was that one of them had antlers. I mean, they could have all been bucks that had already shed except the small one, but I couldn't fully tell. And they booked it across the field. And I looked at her and I go, this is the weirdest thing. I never see, but I never see deer this time of day just out in the open i mean they weren't anywhere close to cover they were just running around so yeah i don't know maybe yeah. they've got some weird disease around here maybe something's affecting them this year to where everything's delayed because uh yeah it's been interesting to see the movements yeah i mean i i just personally think i think they're just outsmarted me really on our property and like you said that's mainly what i see during the daytime is well, early morning and late afternoon is usually just doe and fawn. Um, as for the bucks, yeah, no, none this year in the daylight. And, and you know, people will say to me, like, oh, you know, the reason why you're not lucky this year is because you're not staying out all day. I'm like, dude, I've never had 
any deer on my trail cameras in the middle of the day, never. And I know that there's been big bucks around here shot at, you know, 10 noon two, whatever. Like those are the hours that I usually pack her in, you know, come eat some breakfast and lunch and lounge around for a bit until I go out for the afternoon. But I just, I think I just rely on the, my trail camera too much, man. Like, I mean, it just, I, I've never seen them in the middle of the day. I've only ever had activity up until like eight in the morning and then um, late in the afternoon. And that's what this year, it just seemed like they, I think it was just too warm where they weren't staying out past sunrise and they were coming back in, in um, like just before or after sunset. Um, and then, like you said, like with pro when it comes to property lines, like you can't even make a move on them. Yeah. Right. So I'll definitely like for this year, I'll definitely have to make some adjustments with that. See if I can get some extra property, see if I can find where they're coming from or hopefully it changes this year. I don't know because yeah, it honestly just depends. See, I feel like, I feel like that's one of the curses with trail cameras because you put them up in, for me, I've done it and I do it every year. I almost rely on them too heavily and I go exactly what you're saying, man, I'm not seeing any deer movement midday. I'm just going to come out for the first two to four hours of the day. And then I'm going to go home, um, this year. And I think maybe last year kind of opened my eyes to that. My, the main property that I hunt, it's about 80 acres of beans. And then there's like a small, like 12 to 15 acre chunk of woods that is surrounded on two sides by beans, one side by houses and one side by cattle pasture. And so like, it's a, it's just a perfect little sanctuary. And I focus a lot of energy on that and I only hunt the edges of it. Well, because it's such a small area, I've got like six cameras posted up all along the fence where it goes from, from the field to the woods. And I think, okay, anything moving through here, I'm going to pick up. I'm going to get on camera. I'm going to see it. I have seen so many deer move in and out of those woods and they never get caught on camera. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I'm sitting here all like, I sit here all day long. I'm thinking, you know, like, oh, hey, there's deer. Sweet. I'm going to go pull that camera card and see, see what they are. If I see them way down the fence line or way across the field. And then it turns out my, my camera never even picked them up. And yeah. I'm like, man, it, I feel, I feel for the people and I hate that I wasted so many years where I would avoid a whole property just because I was like, oh, there's no deer. I haven't seen consistent deer movement. I haven't seen this or that same thing. When I went out the other day, I was shed hunting and I've got one camera on this property. It's not a very long property. Um, and the spots where I figured the deer would be moving the most, like I put the camera right there. I walk out there, there are deer tracks all over this field. I mean, everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I don't have any of these deer on camera at all. And <laughs> I mean, my camera is not set up in the greatest spot, but in looking at that, I'm like, dude, if I just went off of trail camera data, I wouldn't know any of this stuff, you know, like to get boots on the ground or to spend even two days just doing a full day sit. Cause then you're going to go, dude, it's missing my camera by 30 yards but there's a big butt coming through every day. Yeah. No, or maybe your cameras are telling the truth and there aren't any deer working uh, during daylight.
All right, guys, I'm excited to introduce the new age of accessing private property for hunting and fishing with Infinite Outdoors. I joined the Infinite Outdoors crew on a duck hunt in Colorado this fall, and the experience was unmatched. We were able to book the property right on their app, get directions to the blind, and had the whole place to ourselves, all for a super reasonable price. Infinite Outdoors has developed a unique way to combine conservation, technology, and private land access all through their US-built app and website. By working closely with landowners and on-staff biologists, they aim to bring you the best parts of accessing private land at the touch of a finger. They provide adventures for big game, turkeys, waterfowl, fly fishing, upland birds, small game, predators, and more. As yearly leases get more expensive and secluded public land gets harder to find, I believe this is the way of the future. To check it out for yourself, download the Infinite Outdoors app or visit infiniteoutdoorsusa.com and use code NOMADIC15 for 15% off your annual membership of $39.99. That, yeah, it's so true, man. I mean, yeah, I should have realized this year, but I just relied on it too much. I, I switched to the to the cellular cameras. So I really thought I had like had them outsmarted this time, right? You know, cellular cameras are awesome. However, my dad was my dad was bow hunting this year and um he had seen one of our target bucks way across field from our stand and he where we sit on is kind of like a deer funnel from bush out into the field towards more bush but this deer hadn't even hadn't even crossed that path like he was completely coming from an opposite direction and headed to an opposite direction not even towards the food source that we had nothing so and obviously my dad wouldn't wasn't able to poke him with a bow at that distance but uh so and then everyone told me like you know maybe there's deer out there that you know aren't walking in that path towards your camera right and that just that proved it right there if i was out there and i had a rifle i would have been able to shoot that deer in a heartbeat yeah but yeah i mean i i i definitely have relied on trail cameras too much man like it but you know what they they kind of do help out in a way um so where I hunt is I drive into this top field and then I kind of go down like a ridge into the, this bottom field where my stand is on. And you kind of like when you walk down there, you, you're kind of blindsided. You can't really see into it that very well. So there's been multiple times where I've walked in and I've spooked deer. Yeah, You know what I mean? And usually like, I, I usually like to go in there like, you know, before sunrise and sit in there for about, you know, 15 20 minutes in the dark but even then man you'll you'll walk in very slowly very quietly and and you'll see the flags start bopping up and down right in the field and uh, so that's what i like about the cellular cameras though now is that i get to you know i'll i'll check them once i'm there in the field and i'll say oh there's deer there i'll go set up in a different spot and if there's not deer there then i'll rely on that that i can slowly make it into my stand and wait for them to come out so that's that's the one thing that's kind of nice about them, man. And also, you know, then you don't have to go and and check your card all the, you know, all the yeah. time, right? But that, but also when it comes to that though, too, I kind of I kind of miss that in a way. Like I'd For wake sure. up every day. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, you wake up every day. You're laying in bed and and you and you check your your. Uh, I we use Spy Point, so I check my Spy Point app and I just see what happened overnight or 
you know, what's going on. But I remember I'd go check like my, my old trail cameras, like every month. And I would just be like, it was like a holiday, man. Like it was just so, I was so excited to see like, it was opening up Christmas presents pretty well. Right. So people thought I, I was crazy. Kinda... Cause I would go and I'd, I'd check my dude. I couldn't, I couldn't leave them alone, man. I'm that guy. Like if there's a Christmas present, I'm like, dude, just give it to me now. Then I can use it even <laughs> longer. Why would we wait till Christmas? That doesn't make sense. And yeah. it's the same thing with trail cameras. People were like, dude, you're crazy, man. You got to stay off your property. I would go out there like twice a week and pull camera cards and check them. And I just loved being on the property. But what I, what I discovered, and at first it wasn't intentionally doing it, but then I realized you can almost train these deer to be used to your presence. And yeah. I, it got to the point where I'd be out checking cameras and I'd have deer feeding in the field 40 yards from me. You yeah. know, if I moved really fast, they'd take off. But if I was just like going about my business, there was one time I was, I was pulling the card out and I had this camera and it took a micro SD card and it drove me crazy because I couldn't get it out. It didn't have like a good spring where you push it and it pops out. Yeah. And so I would yeah. like always try and dig in there with my fingernails and I was messing with it, getting out, getting all frustrated. And all of a sudden I look up and here's a doe that had just hopped the fence and she's just standing there watching me. Like, what is this? <laughs> what is this guy yeah. doing? And then I proceeded to like close the, close the face of the camera, dump some corn out in front of it and then start working to the other one. And she just kind of fed through the field away from me, never ran, never blew. And I'm like, this is cool. And so now I, for me, it's kind of best of both worlds because I still get the info like right after it happens, but I go and pull the cards to pull the HD images because they don't come through like super high quality um through cell service just because they're in they're way out in the country i mean they're in kind of bad spots where i don't have great service um so yeah for me it's best of both worlds i still have that like christmas christmas morning feel when i go and pull the cards and i check all the uh videos and pictures um but getting that almost live uh camera work is pretty awesome too yeah i yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it's really a game changer when you think about it. I, so me being up at school, you know, I'd get my I'd get my brother to do all the work for me. I'd be like, hey, man, we were out of corn. Can you go dump a barrel of corn out for me? It's like, yeah, sure. So I'd watch him from, you know, three hours away up at school. It's actually funny because this one time this year, he called me. I, I see, saw him on the camera with his truck down in the field and saw him that he, he dumped the corn. He goes, hey, man there's four deer in the next field over. I'm pretty sure one of them's a buck. I'm like, Oh no way, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Just get out there pretty quietly. Right. And they're like right in this next field while he's driving around in, in the other field. And so it's, they, they, they've definitely gotten used to human presence around this way. Um, and actually another funny part of that story was about five minutes after he had left, there was a black bear in front of the, in front of our trail camera. And we've never, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We've, I'm like, it's a good thing you got out of there, you know, five <laughs> minutes or five minutes early, but, and it was just kind of funny because like, we've never really had black bear around here. Like they're just starting to become more common. Yeah. So it was just, you know, luck of the draw, but, but yeah, like, I mean, I've even drove into that top field there where we hunt and I've, there's been deer out in that field, man. And they, especially the fawns, like they'll come, there's that one time where they came right up to my truck pretty well and even let me get out. And I had all my hunting gear on. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not really, I guess I'm not hunting tonight. <laughs> honestly like so 
yeah i mean yeah it honestly depends though with the deer around here man it's yeah it, but it's nice to see though it's 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 cool do your do your trail cameras do like a live view i mean i know they send them to your phone but do they go uh can you go live on it and just like open it up and see what's happening in front of it in that moment no man i don't i don't think i can do that honestly i think it just sends like immediate uh pictures and and if you set it on like a video setting you could do that too yeah um no i didn't know i didn't even know that was a thing man why can the tacticams do that no they can't well the model that i have can't but i saw a debate i think mark kenyon posted it on instagram or tiktok or something and it was basically like hey what's your guys's thoughts on live view cell cams to where you can basically it's like a ring we just got a ring security camera. And so like I can open my app and I can see what's going on in that moment. In fact, I can talk to people through it, all this stuff. We had never had anything like that. And it sounds like with some new cameras out there, the new camera technology, you can just go live. And so you can open it up and you can see exactly what's in front of it real time instead of being having it be delayed. And wow. you can just sit, you can put it up on your, on your desk at work and just watch it all day long and see, you know, what animals are coming out. Uh, I think it's kind of cool. There's a lot of people. In fact, I, I think Mark, Mark's stance on it was that it's gone too far. Like we shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing that. It's taking the sport away from it. Yeah. For me, I don't really think that at all. I'm like, listen, the, the difference is negligible between, getting it a second later or 10 seconds later or having it live. I don't, I don't see, it's not that big of a jump for me. You know, I think any type of cellular camera is a huge jump from having to go out and pull cards, but the ability to go live, I think is a cool feature, but I don't think it's a big enough jump to be like, we, we need to stop. We need to second guess this. Yeah. And, and like I said before, I mean, I don't, I don't really think it, does affect because i've heard that too like you know don't be going and checking it all the time and that's what the cellular cameras have kind of changed you know you it limits you with how much you go on your property um but yeah i mean i, I don't even think that it really mattered before anyways because like i i go out um midday when you know like i said before the deer activity had just completely shut off right so don't even think there would have been deer in you know like a I don't know, two mile radius, honestly, um, of me. So when I'd go and check them, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's the one thing that's nice about the cellular trail cameras, but you know, you always get the people who say you, you don't need them and, yeah. and you know, we all, we don't need these gadgets that are coming out and, and helping us, you know, grandpa Joe used to hunt and red flannel and, you know, take his lunch kit out and, you know, and, and shoot a deer, right. You know, you don't need all these gadgets, but I just kind of like them, man, just to, it kind of gives you a hope, really. Like, you get to see, like, that's there's nothing more exciting, man, than seeing one on your camera. Um, you know, well, I guess the only thing that would be more exciting would be seeing one in person. But it's yeah. just it's just awesome to see them, see that they're, they are around in your area, to see what time they're coming out, and you can kind of work around that, you yeah. know? So. No, I totally agree. I think, I think, you know, yes – is it cool when people go out there and shoot it with a stick bow or a recurve or whatever, and they don't use any modern technology and, uh, 
you know, they, they don't have to have the nicest camouflage. Yes, I, I get all of that. And I think it's cool to challenge yourself and to push yourself in, uh, you know, to make it more difficult sometimes. But for the people who are like, you don't need it. You don't need it. I totally get it. I don't need it. But yeah. this is how this is how I would relate it. You've got a relationship with your grandma, right? Is your relationship going to be better with her if you both have cell phones and com can communicate and you can call each other every now and then and text each other? Or is your relationship going to be better when you don't see her for three years and then you go back to your hometown and it's like, oh, hey, grandma, how's it going? And you have to catch up all over again. That's what I, yeah. that's how I see it with no cameras versus cell cameras or no cameras versus trail cameras. It's, it's not about making it unfair or swaying it in our favor. I like to be connected to the property. Like I like everything about it. I like to have boots on the ground. I like to be out there. I like to go and stand there and do observation sits with my spotting scope. I like to get pictures and videos and so if this is just one more way for me to be connected to the property and connected to the deer, I leave my cameras up all year long. People are like, dude, you pay for that sub subscription, you know, <laughs> all you know, even in the off season. I do. I mean, I use it for Turkey hunting. I use it to figure out when the deer drop their antlers. I do it for coyote uh, control, like to see how many coyotes are out there, how often they're coming out. And I leave it out there for poachers and trespassers. And so I, that's my take on it. I'm like, dude, if I could have a if I could have a drone sending me live video flying above the property at all times, I'd do it. I think yeah. that'd be awesome. I'd like to keep eyes on it. If I can't be out there, I'd still like to uh keep up with it. So Yeah, no, for sure. And I and I kinda like that what you said about, you know, the communication with your grandma and all that kind of thing. And even speaking of that, man, like I honestly like my uh my dad loves it. Like he grew up obviously not with that technology and he he gifted me one this year like i mean he loves it he was like yeah it could be for the all it could be for all of us and uh and yeah no he loves it he's, he's always asked me is there anything on the trail camera is there anything on the trail camera i even gave one one time to my grandparents man just because and they um they weren't even hunting uh behind their house but i just gave it to them just to like check up on the nature and all that stuff and they loved it they loved seeing what was behind their their house so yeah i mean yeah you definitely don't need it but it's just it's cool to have man it's just cool where technology is gone yeah there's not many things that we as hunters currently use that we couldn't go without you know yeah. like there were people shooting deer with rifles and bows long before rangefinders were out like yeah. you didn't have to have a glowing knock on the back of your arrow back in the day you didn't have to buy 500 dollars boots or a thousand dollar camo setup or all the scent yeah. control stuff it's like hey guess what they didn't have nose jammer either and some of these guys are just like scent control freaks and they're like dude you can't do anything without scent control and it's like they used to do it all the time go roll around in some cedar branches or smoke your clothes before you go out um yeah and so that's where i'm like listen if it's legal just decide what you want to do you don't have to exactly. do it i'm not going to force you to buy a cell camera i think it's pretty cool and i would encourage you to check it out but you know to say that you have to have one or you can't have one if you're going to be a hunter a good hunter i think is nonsense let people do what they want
for sure. For sure. Yeah. What is, uh, what does this upcoming season look like? I know you said you took your, your cameras down or you take them down in December. Uh, do you wait to see what deer made it through or do you pull them down before, before you start getting those pictures? Well, honestly, man, I know that two of the deer that we had on our camera didn't make it through. Um, but, uh, as for the other one, yeah, I think I will just wait until, um, the spring, honestly. So what I normally do is, is like I said, I take them down in December, um, or sorry, in early January, and then I'll put them back up, uh, come April, right before Turkey season. Cause I do like okay. to have them out for that. Um, and then I'll leave them up. Um, I'll usually leave them up for the summer just to see, uh, what I'm working with, what deer are, are living in the area and the antler growth and all that kind of stuff. So, um, that's one thing though, is that I think for this year, because I'll be home, I'll be graduated from college. I'd really like to see what deer are hanging around this area. Cause when it comes to bow season, um, in, in October, usually all the bucks that we see around here are the ones that have lived around here the entire summer. Okay. Right. And so that the, but the bucks that you see in November, they're the ones that have came from, you don't know where, right? Like they could have came from miles down the road. Um, and a few of our deer were like that this year, like just appeared in late October and had not seen them develop throughout the summer. I only had one buck this whole summer, man, um, that I watched his, uh, his antler growth and that buck actually didn't even stay around come Dang. to rut. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, and that's the thing, man, like there's so many people out there that like will watch like a specific deer all year long. I find that like, and like they'll name that deer, right. You know what I mean? Around yeah. here, man, no, that, that doesn't really happen, dude. Like, I mean, like from what I know of, like all my buddies, you know, they, they kind of all their deer, like, just kind of pop up in November and that's what they're working with. Right. Like they don't really pay much attention to it during the summer. And like you have those deer living around there. So yeah, I don't know. I like, I'll just do what I normally do. Just leave them up from April and hopefully, you know, get a few bucks on there and watch their, their antlers develop and hopefully they stick around and not like last year, you know what I mean? So see, I've got a love hate relationship with the rut cause like you said, you've got deer that will hang out there all summer long and then they disappear. But just the exciting factor of, ha or the excitement factor of having some random buck that could just work his way through on any given day chasing a doe, that's exciting to me. And basically, I, I monitor really closely my properties here in Missouri that I can hunt. But then up in Wisconsin, the hunting property that I go to for rifle season every year, I don't have any trail cameras on that. I don't do any intel. I know the property because I've hunted it all my life. And so I know where I like to sit. But when a buck comes through, I've never seen that deer. I know nothing about that deer's existence until it's standing in front of me. And that's kind of exciting to me. You know, just yeah, just the the random, like, it could happen. It could happen at any second. Uh, I kind of like that. And so... Like I said, I'm open to all sorts of different types of hunting. I don't think there's one right way, one way to do it. That's the right way. I think there's a lot of right ways to go about hunting. For sure, man. Yeah. And then, so a deer that I shot a few years ago, 
it, I had never had it on my trail camera. It had just, I seen, I, I was out the night before and I had watched a doe and two fawn walk in and they nestled in uh, a cornfield. And the next day that, that must've been where they bedded. Um, Cause the next morning they had bolted out of there at first light and um, kind of, they bolted out of there and I kind of looked around whatever. And the next, thing you know, I look over in the corner of my eye and there's this huge 10 point standing right there. And I used a bleat. And when I bleated him, he walked right towards me perfectly broadside at like 40 yards. And I shot him with my rifle and he dropped like 50 yards away, like picture perfect hunt, man. <laughs> and like, it was just so crazy to me man, because let alone like around here, you know, our, I don't know, our, our bucks, like, we, there's big bucks out there. They're just hard to find. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that, the buck that I shot, he was a perfect, perfectly symmetrical 10 point nice buck. Like he probably would have been like three and a half years old. That's like a big buck for around here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And some people like maybe from where you are or whatever, maybe from Northern Alberta or Northern Saskatchewan or whatever would look at that buck and be like, Oh, that's the young guy would have let that pass. Right. But obviously there are, there have been some monsters shot around here. One guy shot a 16 point last year here. Um, I think one of my dad's buddies, like back in the nineties, I think he, I think he shot like a 27 point. Jeez. Had to have been like had to have been non-typical, but uh um, but anyways, yeah, like they're just so hard to find, right? And so once you get like if you get just a mature deer, that's a nice deer. Yeah. Everyone would have liked to have their hands on them, right? Um so whereas my brother um he shot one I think three years ago and he had this buck come in every day at the exact same time. So he went out and shot this deer at like I shot mine during the rut. Um, he shot this deer uh, on October 6th. So really early with yeah. the bow. And he was like, why not, man? Like, I mean, he has his deer coming in at the same time every day. He's like, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to shoot it. And what did he do? He just sat up in the stand and this buck walked out at like 4.30, like perfect timing. And my brother shot him at like 30 yards. And so, yeah, it just, it honestly depends. But that's kind of, like I said, man, it, that's kind of really unheard of around here. Like, I mean, it's, you get those deer that do come in daily and all that stuff, but it's just, I, I find it's more exciting seeing those deer that just pop out of nowhere. You know what I yeah. mean? But yeah. yeah. I like being surprised by it. I like the, I like the element of surprise with hunting for sure. Um, what do you have coming up next? I mean, it's, it's dead of winter right now, but I'm assuming Turkey is probably your next season coming up. Turkey is the next season, man. Yeah. Um, not much is going to change with that. Um, uh, me and my buddy, we have this one property and that we were hunting last year and just full of birds. Um, I think this year I'll, I'll invest in a ground blind because uh, we could have used it last year. Last Man, last year it was just so difficult because uh, so the property that we hunt on, there's about a dozen birds in this field that the property sits on. And so I asked my buddy's dad, who's a real estate agent, said, who owns that property? I got to get in that property. And so he told me and so he let us hunt there and man, we, we found out where they were roosting. They're actually roosting in the bush, which I've never seen before. I've always seen birds uh, roost on tree lines, you know, field edges and yeah. all that stuff. Um, And these birds were in the roost. So anyways, yeah. Open and morning uh, we had, we had these, the, this one Tom come out, he didn't come out uh, 
in close to the decoys. He just kind of stood out in the field and then ran off. And then we made the move into the bush towards where they roosted and they would go the opposite direction from us. And yeah, man, it just, they just did not cooperate with us whatsoever this year. So um, we don't know if they were seeing us. I mean, we were good and camoed up, you know, our calls were good. Our decoy setup was good. They just were not having it with us, man. They were just completely going the opposite direction of us. So um, yeah, we're going to try to make a move on them this year and uh, maybe with a ground blind and see if we could get it done. Nice. Yeah. Turkey yeah. hunting. It's coming up here. I mean, I've already seen all the social media posts changing. Everyone's starting to post Turkey stuff and, uh, I am, I'm more excited for Turkey hunting this year than I ever have been in the past. And I think it's because I kind of figured out their movements. I, I totally thought they were doing a different thing up until this past year. And I sat in a spot that I couldn't see from any of my previous setups and, uh, saw turkeys every day. And I mean, they were coming through, called my first one in. I mean, I had killed turkeys before, but this is the first one that I was sitting there I called the turkey and like he came because I I convinced him to. And so that was kind of cool. So I'm pretty pumped yeah. actually. I am trying to decide what gun I'm going to use though. Um, Cause <laughs> I got a couple new shotguns and I kind of want to, I can't, <clears throat> excuse me. I kind of want to try to hunt one with the 410 or with my bow. Oh, the uh, 410. Wow. That's challenging. So you want to challenge them this year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like every year, every year I kill a turkey and I'm not saying that I don't work for it. Like it's still difficult. It's not like easy. I go out there and shoot one every time I'm out there, but, um, I, I'm just kind of intrigued by the 410 stuff because I've been watching videos on YouTube of guys patterning their 410s out to like 60 yards. Really? And yeah. Go, go look that up, man. Just they'll go and buy like a Mossberg breakover single shot 410, put some uh, TSS ammo in it with like a Carlson choke, and they'll be shooting like good patterns at 60 yards with it. And wow, it's pretty nuts. I've heard of a lot of guys that are switching to 410s, but I really do want to shoot one with my bow this year. Luckily, we can shoot two here in Missouri. I, well, I've got to look at the regulations. I think it's going to be the same. It's been that way for years. Um, yeah. but I'd like to try to shoot one with my bow. That'd be cool, man. Yeah. I've never, I, I don't think I've ever gone out with the bow. Um, I actually got a new shotgun this year myself. It's a Benelli supernova. Nice. Um, so yeah, I'm going to try that. It has a bit of a longer barrel than what I've been working with. So maybe I can get at a longer poke. Yeah. My buddy, we had this, we had this one bird come in last year and, um, it was like, I didn't have my ranger, my range finder on me, but I would have had to guess that it would have been at like 50 to 60 yards. And, um, my buddy had his, had his gun up on his knee and, and he was like, should I shoot? Should I shoot? And, you know, cause he had never been out before. And I'm like, I don't know, man, like hold off, hold off, you know? And uh, looking back, man, I should have let him shoot, Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm, I told him to hold off because I just thought it was too far away. Hopefully, we don't have to deal with that this year. Um, but, yeah, that was the problem last year, man. They just weren't coming in close enough. And I don't know. I honestly, I, I think I, I blame it on they that they got henned up way too quick. Okay. So that first, yeah, that first day that we went out on opening day, we had 
alone Tom come in right to my call like at first light. He just didn't come into our decoys. But then after that, they just we knew that they were with hens. There was three Toms in that group, and they would just follow them. They just were not interested in my hen calls, man. Yeah. So yeah, and and that was the problem, man. Like when so we weren't getting them out to be challenged with like my Jake decoy. You know what I mean? So yeah. they weren't even seeing that. Um, yeah, so I don't know, man. There's got to be some changes made. I don't know, but <laughs> hopefully we can get her done this year. It's just, yeah, it just wasn't working in our favor last year. And I mean, some guys, they just make it look so easy. Like they go out in the first couple of days and they limit. Yeah. And yeah, so. but I think yeah, there's just certain all- pockets, man. There's something about turkeys. Like they'll they'll tuck into a certain area and they're just in there all the time. And yeah. They, they do the same thing. They're easily patternable. The turkeys where I'm at, like, they're going to end up in this field at some point throughout the day. But right. right out of the roost, man, they could go any direction, and then it might be five hours before they come make their way to this spot. And so that's the yeah. challenge. Like, I'll watch them do it one day. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to get down there and get set up. Then they decide to do something totally different the next day. Um, but that's part of it, man. I, th- the challenge of it is i think what makes a lot of this a lot of this fun if it was super easy it wouldn't be that exciting if you went out and just shot something literally every time you went out there it wouldn't be nearly as rewarding each time yeah oh man i I mean yeah i would have to agree i've been doing this now for i think this would probably be like my eight eight or ninth year turkey hunting and amount of hours i put in there and came back to the house with nothing but I, yeah. yet I still do it. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, I just love the challenge, honestly. And I, you know, so yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we can make it happen this year, man. Honestly, my buddy and I were talking about like, even like trying to, I don't know, just stick one guy on one end of the property, another guy on the other end of the property, like try to like close them in. Like yeah. I, because it just seemed like they were just going in the complete opposite direction of where I was calling. And I'm like, I'm not that bad. Am I? <laughs> he's like no no you're good you're good but uh yeah maybe that's what we'll have to do honestly i don't know hopefully we'll be able to get in early and uh and before they get hand up and they start chasing hens hopefully we'll be able to knock a couple off so but yeah it's kind of it's the same uh it's the same limit as what you're doing we, we have to shoot uh we're limited to two this spring season and uh both male so okay yeah that's fine. and then we also have a fall season as well um where you can shoot whatever male or female just one so nice. yeah kind of the same thing we work with as well yeah that's awesome well dude good luck on that uh before we hop off a couple things real quick i i forget to do this about 80 percent of the time but i like to ask if you could hunt anything anywhere with any weapon what would it be oh man um oh man i don't i honestly don't know Oh, I'll tell you right now, it would have to be, this is going to sound so weird, man, but it'll have to be, um, with my rifle, I have a 270 Savage Axis and it'd have to be mountain lion in Northwest territories. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Honest to God, dude. I remember, cause I remember playing this, uh, I remember playing this video game back when I was a young kid called big game hunter. Yep. I remember one of the missions was hunting mountain lion in northwest territories and i would always do that same mission over and over again because i was just in love with it yeah so 
I know it sounds really weird, man, but yeah, that would have to be it. <laughs> no, that sounds like a fun hunt, man. I've never yeah. been, I've never been up to Northern Canada and I want to check I've it never out. Been like, either. I've never been either, man. And, and I, I like honest, honest to God, I've only been in Ontario, Quebec and, and BC. Um, BC is beautiful. I mean, yeah, anyone listening or even yourself, you know, should, uh, definitely travel Canada. You know, it's beautiful. Um, Ontario, like I said, doesn't really differ as, as much compared to, um, the States, but yeah, you know, when you travel to those Northern provinces, like they're beautiful, man, like that's yeah. what Canada is all about basically. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely, definitely get up here once or twice and check yeah. it out and, you know, cause yeah, we have a lot to offer when it comes to hunting, man. I would definitely like something more realistic. I would definitely like to hunt whitetail, um, in, Alberta or Saskatchewan definitely excited for the moose hunts um but yeah I would definitely like to hunt just a lot more in my own country you know uh, rather than traveling elsewhere first for I sure. think that's really important you know no that's cool man that's I think that's a first I get a lot of people who want to go out and do elk out west a lot of moose hunters some that want to travel international but I think that's the first mountain lion and I want, dude, I want to, I want to get one so bad. I think I would try to do it with my bow, um, like running with hounds, um, and then try to shoot one with my bow. So if I go back out, I'm going to, I'm going to try that route. But, um, yeah. also question number two, before we hop off, where can people find you? Where can they follow along social media online, all that? Man, I honestly just saw my Instagram. It's clay.blanchard. Um, my first name dot my last name uh yeah i don't i mean i'm not really you know i don't really have a big hunting uh you know feed i guess it's kind of do what i post so like in the summers like i'm, I'm always fishing yeah and uh, and in november you know i'm always hunting hopefully turkey season will be a bit more you know i'll be a bit more lucky so you know that'll be on there but yeah man that's that's where it's at honestly and uh um yeah. So uh, one thing that I do want to shout out though, um, if you do, if anyone listening does want to uh, follow a page that will show, you know, Canadian hunting heritage is Canada in the rough. Okay. Um, they have their own TV show. They're based here in, in Ontario um, and they hunt strictly in Canada, across Canada and they hunt everything. So nice. those guys, yeah, those guys are definitely ones to follow for sure. And if you're looking to see what we have to offer up here for sure. Nice, man. Well, dude, yeah, I man. appreciate your time. And yeah, like I said, good luck. Hopefully this year you're that guy that goes out first day, easy success with a turkey and you make it happen. Um, I hope so, man. I and hope then so. hopefully the rest of those bucks that you had on camera, the rest of those shooters uh, start popping back out. Yeah, man. Hopefully they they come back bigger and better. You know what I mean? That's what it's all about. Dude, that's the hope every year. Well, Clay, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, good luck this season. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, Dan. I appreciate it.